Welcome to The Corner. It's a celebration and conversation of everything creative. It's a soapbox, it's an intersection, it's a gathering place. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the corner, or if you're a regular, welcome back. Um, if you're new here, then I am glad to have you. So, yeah, this is Matt, aka M. The Glad Woodrow. Like I said, you are listening to the corner, my little podcast done by me, myself, and I. Um, yeah, so so there's all of that. Um, so here's the, here's the thing too. Like if you know the the catch and the thread that connects all of the titles to my solo episodes, including this one, send me some sort of feedback, send me some sort of, uh, hey, what's up, and tell me what what you think the connection is, because I will have a handy-dandy prize for you if you do so. So, yes, tell me what that connection is, tell me what that thread is between the titles of all of these here solo episodes that I have done thus far. Um, I'm going to take your word for it that you didn't Google. I mean, I, we live in the age of the internet, so if you're Googling some stuff, I'm not going to really hold it against you. You're using your resources. Nice work. But anyway, find that thread. Let me know what you think that thread is. And if you're right, I will have a, uh, a neat little prize for you. All right. But until then, your neat little prize is me talking on this here episode. So here's the corner. And... The idea is that at, uh, in my intro to this this whole show, I was talking about how this is an, a gathering place, um, a meeting place, um, a place to, to, to have your soapbox and everything. And then since this is my show, I'm going to basically um, do what I want with it. And that's, that's what I'm doing right now. So there's some things that I've been thinking about. Um, uh, some of it is poetic. Some of it is about music. Some of it is about the world around us. Um, some of it is kind of personal, so I wanted to share a lot of that stuff with you, um, or at least some of that stuff with you. This won't be a very long episode, um, it's kind of late when I'm recording this, uh, so so you won't have to bear with me for a very long time if you want to hear every every last second of it, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, I've got some things that I'd like to talk about, and some of those things are pretty heavy, so if you are one that is, uh, that is triggered by heavy subjects, uh, sub, sub like, like, uh, like war and violence, um, or like abuse, then, then you might, you might want to tune out some of those stuff. And I will warn you ahead of time that I'm going to talk about the heavy stuff up front. 
and then I'm going to end with the more fun stuff or end with the, the poetics and end with the, the musical uh, talking. Uh, so, so yeah, so in this here little thing that I'm talking about right now, uh, that is also doubling as an intro, I want to talk to you about some serious issues that have, uh, that have come up either on the show or, um, or, um, in, in life, in the world around us. So, so first up, um, a few episodes ago or a couple episodes ago, um, I had Miles Bolin on and they are an amazing human being. Let me tell you, I had a lot of fun talking to them. And, uh, and, and it was, it was the conversation in itself was, was pretty life affirming, which I'm not surprised considering their music. Um, but, but some subjects that came up were, uh, subjects of addiction, uh, and the loss of people through addiction. Um, and I think what, what was implied there too, is that, and there's a poem of coming out of this thought here, but I think what was implied there too, that addiction is sometimes a loss of the living as well. Uh, that, that if someone's struggling, struggling through addiction, um, then it's hard to see them go through that. And they're, they're not like quote unquote, a different person per se, but, but they're hard to be around because they're not, you know, like the, the term is like, they're, they're not themselves, you know, and that, that's, that, that come, has come to me to mean, um, to, that, that there are so many chemicals going through them that, uh, or so many unnatural or unnatural chemicals. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a ton, but there are unnatural, not naturally occurring chemicals or it levels of, or overabundant levels of naturally occurring chemicals that, that make it so that it seems like those folks are not themselves. And so that is a hard thing to, to witness if you're not one going through the addiction, um, if you're on the outside of that addiction. That is also to say that if you are one going through addiction or have gone through it, then it is uh, definitely a harrowing experience. And, uh, and so, yeah, you, you have that sense of loss of the living. And, and so there's that idea that 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 that, that that struck me when I, when I talked to Miles um, in particular about the issue of addiction and how it affects uh, the folks, not just the folks that are going through it, but the folks that are around them. And uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then there's, there's the actual loss of life when that person, you know, passes away. That definitely, uh, that definitely brings things to, to a sharper focus, if you will, um, about how bad things got. And, uh, yeah, and the, the avenues that, that the, the, the person going through addiction either did or didn't think they had. Uh, so it's, a so it's definitely a, a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. It's a very, very, very harrowing thing, um, on all ends of it. And just wanted to acknowledge that and that acknowledge the fact that everybody you meet, um, on some plane in some way is going through something. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's the fairest, most compassionate thing to do is to remember that, um, and to, to apply that to your interactions with everybody you talk to. Um, I know I try to do that and I'm not saying that, that you're a bad person. If you don't, I'm just saying that like, it's, it's a very important thing to, to consider, to, to, put into action to, to, to avoid and to, to, to intervene, if you will, uh, in a person's life before, before 
those those windows seem to be closing, you know, and then and a lot of folks uh, feel like that the only thing they can do is 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 reach for destructive means to to feel a thing that they might not be feeling or to go through some stuff that they're not going through. You know, there's everybody's got their reasons, you know, and I think it's it's everybody's got their struggles, and I think it's. Or I believe it's a it's a it's a very important thing to to acknowledge and to apply and to and to really approach uh, everybody you meet with uh, the idea that you know you only know so much about what a person is going through uh, and that there's so much more that you might not know um, and I say might to be kind because uh, do we ever truly understand another person uh, I believe not uh, unless we are that person. It is impossible to to do so, uh, and I would often say too that we don't always understand our own motivations or our own actions or our own feelings. Uh, so we should probably be a little more compassionate about others, not understanding theirs. Uh, that's just just some thoughts I'm having about that idea. Uh, I know I'm not alone in thinking that that I don't always know what my feelings mean. Uh, sometimes I figure it out, sometimes I don't, and I don't think I'm alone in that. And uh, and yeah, but I don't also. I also know that I'm not alone in this world. And so, if you're listening to this and you're feeling alone in this world, uh, definitely reach out to people. Definitely reach out to people who can help. Uh, know that I know, even if I don't know who you are, I know you're not alone. And I hope that at least gives you a spark to know that 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 there is some other way out there um you know i didn't do this show with any inkling of like saving people but but uh but if if something i say does or if something i say inspires someone to to look deeper into what is going on with them then then all the better um if and if any of the guests i have on do so then all the better and i think that that the world would be a better place if we could just continue uh, you know, at least trying to uh, level level up with people, you know, and and uh, and figure out exactly how to to approach the problems that everybody faces because we all face some sort of problem, and uh, some of those problems are internal, some of those problems are external, but you know, we all have them, and that's the important thing to remember. Uh, yeah, um, I know that in my own life, and I've uh, I've alluded to this a few times, um, either in my writing or or in conversations. If yeah, if I actually know you in some sort of fashion or in real life, if you will, IRL is the term, I guess. But uh, if I know you in real life, and if you know me for for a little while, I probably have disclosed to you. Or if you've been listening to these episodes and I you don't know me very well or at all, um, you've heard me. Um, either reference or allude to, to abuse I have lived through. Um, and I know that, that, that abuse has informed so much of what I am. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm, 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 I feel extremely fortunate, extremely lucky, extremely um, you know, blessed to still be breathing, to still be alive. I mean, I'm pretty sure that if some people had their way, I wouldn't be here, you know? I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be around. I wouldn't be breathing. I wouldn't be alive. And, you know, and I've come to try to understand what might motivate that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, 
I really, I really feel like it's lack of love. Um, but you know, I'm not always curious to find out firsthand, uh, when it comes to someone who has done harm to me. Um, does that mean I have, have, have not forgiven said, said folks for doing harm to me in that way? Uh, no, I, I feel like I have, uh, but that doesn't mean that the damage still isn't present. You know, it's, uh, I've come to believe also that, that there's, there are some damages that are, that are irreparable. Uh, and then we just, we just do what we can with what we, we have left. And, uh, uh, and that, that might be time, that might be life, that might be, uh, feelings, emotions, and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, I am not always, and I know that there are some people in my life that can attest to this. And uh, for that, I apologize profusely, um, especially if those folks in my life are listening to this. Um, but I apologize profusely for not being emotionally available uh, in, in times that require emotional availability. Um, I, because of the abuses I have put up with, I've, I've become walled up in certain ways. And I've become closed off to, to feeling big thoughts and big feelings in those moments sometimes. So like, I will shut down or I will uh, uh, avoid a conversation sometimes as long as I possibly can. Uh, because sometimes, as, uh, as, as, it, as it were, I sometimes don't want to, uh, to, to open that can of worms. I don't want to, to crack open that whole feel. Um, in those moments, uh, but though at, even in those times, I recognize the importance to do so, the importance of having those conversations, those importance, the importance of having those those issues uh, be in the air so they can be worked on. You know, um, but this is all to say that uh, this is all to say that I have used this as as a lens, as a, as a, as a avenue, as a vehicle to, to, to approach people, uh, to approach people with that empathy and that account compassion that they, there's no might or maybe about it. They're probably, they're probably, or probably about it. They're, they're going through something too. Everybody I meet is going through something too. Um, so I can't always point a finger at someone being emotionally unavailable, um, uh, as a fault, um, without first looking at myself and thinking that that is the way it happens to. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I've come to and, you know, I'm still working on that, uh, work in progress, if you will. And I think that, that the work is important and I keep saying, I think, but I should, uh, go back in, 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 in mentally go back and if you can and follow me with you will if you will um, that every time I say I think in in this 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 monologue if you will uh, know that I really mean I believe I've come to believe a lot of that I have some thoughts on a lot of things but I have some beliefs as well and those beliefs are hardening and and uh, really becoming a part of my pathos, my psyche, my, my way of being. And, uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that, that people can hear this and, and know that I am, uh, saying it for two, two, two different types of reasons. So one being that I, I want to be upfront and honest about the stuff I feel and think. 
Um, but then two, and just as importantly, if not sometimes more importantly, I want to make sure that if anyone's out there listening that they that feels uh, that they are are not heard or not understood or not um, or not appreciated or not valued uh, or not loved, that uh, you are in fact loved. I I, I I I can't tell you who by who, but uh, but I can tell you for sure that there's someone out there that might not have said might not have expressed that to you, um, but I think the key word might be yet and. Uh, so, or I believe the key word is yet. Um, that's, that's the bottom line of that, is that you're not alone. You don't have to go through anything alone. Reach out to people. I mean, hell, reach out to me. I've given my listeners all sorts of reasons and ways to get a hold of me. So um, I have worked in the fields of mental health. I still know lots of people in the fields. I know lots of ways to to get folks connected to to the help they need. Uh, so yeah, reach out. I won't be the professional help you mean, might need, but I can give you resources. I I know how to find those resources. Um, I know that can be difficult in times of trouble. So so yeah, definitely know you're not alone, and definitely use the resources that you have out there. Um, it's important to do so. Don't leave a whole lot of people hanging. Uh, follow follow your follow your feelings and 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 get that help all right so so yeah there's lots of lots of ways to do that and i can i can at least help in find helping you find those ways uh, but yeah so like i said i'm not here to save people necessarily but i'm hoping that if it does happen that 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 it, that it does you know i'm hoping that there's a way that someone might hear this and think if he made it, I can too. Uh, and so, so that's the idea there. Um, I'm hoping beyond hope that that's what happens. All right. So that's the, some of the serious stuff I want to talk about. Uh, that's on the personal level. Uh, so yeah, um, stay tuned because the next segment is going to be uh, pretty serious too. So I'll give you that warning. This one, the next segment will be uh, a little bit all about the world around us. Uh, so yeah, expanding out there. And then we'll end on a positive note, I swear. All right, stick around. All right, all right, we're going to the world now. Um, yeah, so there, there's, since October 7th uh, in Israel, there has been a lot of violence, um, a lot, a lot, a lot of violence. Um, that is not to say that, that that violence is not a regular occurrence out there because it is. Um, I've said or I have taken my 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 stance, I guess, if you will. Um, I don't know how to how to word that honestly, so I'm just going to go off the top here. Um, I've said the corners standing on this, and I'm going to clarify some of those things, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff I've seen since I've made that statement that has uh, that has solidified that, if you will. Um, and then uh, I will also make clear how I feel about all of the issues that come up about uh, what's happening in Gaza, um, what's happening at the hands of the Israeli government. And I want to make sure that people understand that I, that I call it the Israeli government because that's what it is. I'm not saying all Israelis, and I'm going to get to why I'm saying that in a second too. I mean, not a second, but, uh, but soon. 
Uh, but I want to make sure that people know, uh, that listeners know exactly how I feel and think about uh, all of these issues. Um, so, so, so here's the gist. Like, there's the, the or here's the, the the get down on it. Uh, that since October seventh, uh, there has been a lot of information coming out of of Israel about what is going on there. Uh, much of it is, I believe, propaganda on the part of the Israeli government. Uh, I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about like how. Uh, they have pretty much blanket statemented, statemented the the entirety of of the Palestinian population. Um, there 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 is a whole lot of things going on because there there's, there are layers that I'm not going to get to every layer because I want to keep this kind of a shorter episode. But I want to be clear about what my stance is. Uh, so there is there there have been instances of, of, of language use basically is what, what I'm getting to that have, have been very telling, very, very telling. Um, one of those instances is that, that if we're talking about, uh, Palestinian prisoners, we're actually, we're talking, yeah, we're talking about Palestinian prisoners and we're, we're talking about Israeli hostages, meaning, if people have been taken by Hamas, they're called hostages, and if they're being taken by Israel, they're prisoners. The words right there imply that 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 anybody that is Israeli stuck on the Palestinian side of things, like meaning trapped by Hamas, um, automatically are hostages. Um, automatically. Uh, which which the connotation there means that that those folks are innocent of any wrongdoing any crime any any violence and all this stuff and i say those words um carefully because a lot of the quote unquote hostages that are that are being discussed right now i mean look it up uh, it's out there to 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 to, to discover to read um, a lot of the hostages, quote unquote, that are being held by Hamas are IDF, meaning Israeli Defense Forces, meaning people who are employed by the Israeli government, much like our army, our navy, our armed forces here are um, to to fight the quote unquote war against Hamas. And I'm not saying that there isn't wrongdoing happening on the side of Hamas. I'm not. But the the tell what's the tell is that there that anybody Israeli that is captured is called a hostage. Um, not a prisoner. Hostage is the word hostage very heavily implies innocence. Um, and that's something I can't abide by if we're talking about about people who are enacting the orders of the Israeli government to to eradicate Palestinians from this this earth. Um, that's that's not not right. That's not the way I'm going to define that that situation. Um, are they prisoners of war? Um, yes. Um, there definitely is a war of Hamas versus Israel, Israel versus Hamas, and, and I'm saying it both ways because. 
I don't believe either of them have the good of everybody in mind. Um, so, yeah, or in heart. But the, the wording there. So go on to the other side of things. And an Israeli is taking prisoners. Meaning that there are Palestinian people being held that, that they're taking prisoners. They're, that because they've done some sort of wrongdoing, committed some sort of violence, have done some sort of act against humanity. Um, I don't believe that's true of all the people taken, nor do I believe that of all the people that Hamas has taken either. I mean, so I want to make that sure and clear. Uh, but the, the wording prisoner implies that heavily. But if you look at what's happening to the prisoners or to the hostages there, or to the people taken by the Israeli forces, there is some really inhumane shit going on. There's some really inhumane shit going on out there. There are reports of organs missing when people are, or when bodies are returned, I should say. Um, there are reports of, of people just being locked in, in very subpar conditions barely being fed or given water. And some of those folks are, are elderly. Right? <coughs> some of those folks are, are children, like toddler age at best sometimes. I mean, that's, that seems to me that, that, you know, your four or five or six-year-old is probably not committing acts of terrorism. Um, that's, I, I mean, I might be naive. But if you if you really want to lay into me on any of that, then then have at it. But <coughs> I don't think toddlers and babies. I don't believe toddlers or babies are, are are at fault here. Nor do I think elderly folks are either. Um, yes, I understand the the complexities. Uh, uh, there is complexities going on here, and I'm not so naive to think that that there aren't. But but I'm also not gullible enough to believe that, that that children, little children, that are barely kindergarten age are committing acts of terrorism, period. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we look at this, uh, the wording of that, we look at it all, we look at the reports that are coming back um, about how people are treated um, when they're taken by Israeli for forces. Um, it's just, it is, it is, disturbing and sickening and uh so i just want to make sure that i get my my anti-israeli government statement out there right now um and do i do and and i know someone was thinking out there um do i believe that hamas should use to schools and such for 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 holding their stuff and their their ammunitions their arsenals or whatever no i don't because they're putting their people in harm's way so if those reports are true, then that's some bullshit too. Uh, either way, there are a lot more people dying than than just terrorists or just people who are on <clears throat> the side of terrorism. And we're talking over 20,000 people have been, <coughs> been killed in, in Palestine, in, in Gaza, since October 7th. And... <laughs> and many of those people have nothing to do with Hamas. I forgot the percentages, but it's a very, very low number. 
<laughs> Very sorry about that coughing fit. Um, uh, getting over a cold, apparently. Uh, so, so that's the thing there. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to continue that thought before I go on to the next thought. Um, so the idea there is that, that yeah, there, there over 20,000 people have been killed. And in my mind, that means that most of those folks is my, in my belief that the most of those folks that have been killed since October 7th, uh, the Palestinian folks have been, been outright murdered. Uh, I believe that there is an act of genocide going on here. So there's that. Um, there's definitely that. Um, so, so continuing on this is like there, there is, and I have seen it, um, very, very easy slide into some folks that are criticizing the, the Israeli government's actions. Uh, and it's, it's easy to, to criticize them and, and anyone should. There are crimes against humanity happen. I'm not calling them war crimes because killing innocent people is not war. It's, 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 it's terrorist. Uh, it's terrorist actions and um, so sure like I've said already there is a war between Hamas and Israel or the Israeli government that's a, that's that's true but but the whole thing is not a war when most of the 20,000 plus people are civilians who have never raised arms against anybody um or rarely, or rarely, or you know, they're innocent people. If, if if most of those folks are innocent, then it is not right to to kill them. Period. Um, but that all being said, I have seen the the easy slide that some people make from criticizing the actions of the Israeli government into anti-Semitism. Uh, Anti-Semitic bullshit does not have any room in any conversation, um, and. And and it's it's a it it seems easy for folks to do. <coughs> it seems way too easy for some folks to, to to slide into. I've had some conversations with people I know even that have uh, have been very very, for lack of a better word, shitty about doing comparative misery, comparative tragedy. Uh, talking about it's like this is a quote. It's like talking about the Jews like to play victim. I mean. Acting like the Holocaust wasn't a horrific and, and evil fucking thing, um, so so it is it is more than okay to acknowledge the evil going on behind the actions of the Israeli government. Definitely is it's definitely a very easy diagnosis, but it is it is also a bullshit diagnosis to say that that that. Jews like to play the victim. Just, just so fuck off with that. First of all, second of all, just because Hitler didn't finish the job, if you will, according to his thinking, according to his beliefs, according to the, what the Nazis wanted to do, just because the Nazis didn't finish the entirety of killing every Jew they, in the world, doesn't mean the atrocities weren't outright fucking evil because they are. Six million people were 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 killed during the Holocaust. And so when one person is killed two is it for reasons like the reasons of the Holocaust, that's too many. So you multiply that by six million and and you have six million reasons uh to to say that that is 
an absolutely horrid and evil thing to happen. So just because Hitler didn't finish the entirety of it off, just because he didn't accomplish his mission, it doesn't take away from the fact that the Jewish folks of Poland, of Germany, and all sorts of other places that the, uh, that, that the Nazis occupied, just because Hitler didn't get to wave the mission accomplished banner, doesn't take away from the fact that it is pure evil that motivated the, those actions. And, uh, and yeah, so the easy slide into, into anti-Semitism when we're talking about the Israeli government is, is something that can't be tolerated either. Um, is the fact of the matter is, is that if we can, we can firmly say that not all of whatever group we're going to talk about is responsible for the atrocities. Like, I mean, we're looking at the, if we're looking at Palestine right now, not every Palestinian is responsible for Hamas. You know, not every Palestinian is Hamas or even slightly supports what Hamas is doing and what they believe in. So if we can say that, and I know lots of people can say that, and what's disheartening about what I'm talking about is a lot of people on the quote-unquote left are doing what I'm saying is happening here, and that's fucked up. I mean, so yeah. Um, but the idea here is that, like, yeah, if we can say that not every Palestinian believes Hamas in their message and their actions then we need to to be clear that not every every israeli person believes in what the, their government is doing too so so that there's that um so don't be a fucking anti-semite in defending the innocent people of palestine because that totally negates any any humanitarian thought you might have about the whole thing. Just don't do it. Um, I'm not in the position of telling people what to do most of the time, but I'm going to do that right there. Um, that that all leads me to this one, and this is going to be a quick thought, and then we're going to get into, you know, different things. But, uh, well, actually, there's going to be a couple other small things to talk about before we get into the, the, the positive of the world. So, yeah, here we go with this. Um, there are many Israeli people who are organizing against in protesting against what their their government is doing. And a lot of folks are pissed off because like, you know, yes, they're Israelis against what the, the what the government is doing over there. Um, but they're still on occupied land. Yes, that is true. However, um, I'm sitting in occupied I'm sitting in stolen land right now. Like I'm sitting in 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 Vermont, in New England, a place where where Native folks, like indigenous folks, used to live in very large numbers. The entirety of the country I live in, the country I was born in, the country that, that identifies me on, on you know, my passport, um, I am sitting on stolen land. You know, I, everywhere I travel to in this country is stolen from indigenous people. Does that mean that I can't? say stuff against the government about that type of stuff? Absolutely not. Um, I can't be faulted for where I was born. Um, nobody can be. 
Um, because where someone's born is not their fault. I mean, I didn't have any say in that. Um, you know, my family was, was already in Boston by the time I came around. Um, so I didn't have any say in that. So it is unfair to say that, like, you know, that, that, that Israelis that are protesting the Israeli government, um, are on, you know, are, are, I don't know. It's it. I don't know how to word that actually, but it's unfair to say that they they have no right to say what they're saying, you know, or the yeah, but they're on stolen land. Like we know that, but we can't fault them for where they were born. Especially if we're talking about people, you know, my age, younger or younger, because that's uh, you know we're talking about how how many generations back are we talking here? Not a whole lot, as far as like Israelis are concerned, but. We're talking about enough that, that, that there are people who are protesting that were born there because their family was already there. So if it's their protests are coming from the inside, then all the better. All the better. Yep. So that's that. <coughs> that's that idea. And I wanted to put a cap on a thought I had about a, back a bunch of episodes ago, I think probably. I don't know how many episodes ago, but back in the summer nonetheless. Um, so... There is that. Um, there's that idea that like that, that was that that was that really bad, terrible, corny ass country song that made a lot of ruffles um, and a lot of a lot of waves, if you will. A lot of people were talking about that for a hot minute, um, and then a lot of people were talking about like because like well the dog whistles. If you're hearing the dog whistles, it must be for you. Here's the here's the fucking thing about that, and I want to like put a cap on that idea. And I think I discussed it pretty well too there but like you know the people have been just kind of studying that and blah 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 but here's the thing about that thinking back on the world war ii days there were people out there who were hired to break codes you know people on the allied forces who were who were specifically tasked to break nazi code and understand what those codes meant so them doing that didn't make them Nazis, did it? Rhetorical question. The answer is no, it didn't. It didn't make the, the code breakers believers of the code they were breaking and what the, what the Nazis were up to. It didn't. It didn't at all. It just meant they understood what the code meant. They acted on it, and they were able to, in many cases, stop the Axis forces from doing more damage and doing more atrocity, and doing more holocausting. That's what that was. You know, I mean, I, I, I put that holocaust part last because it really, when you think about it, probably wasn't the prime motivation of the American armed forces of being a part of World War II. Disgusting, yes, but let's be honest. We didn't enter the war because we wanted to save the Jewish people. We would have done that far earlier, I would hope, if that was the, the case. But, uh, but... Code breakers were not Nazis because they could break Nazi code and understand what that meant. Therefore, if you understand what a fucking racist dog whistle is or a homophobic dog whistle is or a transphobic dog whistle or any sort of bigoted dog whistle is, if you understand what it means, if you pick up on what the meaning is, it doesn't make you the meant messenger or meant receiver of said message. It means that you just, you, you have figured it out. So if I can call a douchebag bigoted douchebag out on on using a dog whistle 
It doesn't mean I'm a racist douchebag. It means I understand that he's trying to speak in code and I understand what that code means. So therefore, I'm going to call it out. The dog whistle wasn't for me. The dog whistle was for some other racist douchebags. The dog whistle was just understood by other people. So therefore, it didn't totally work. And dog whistle is just a term. It doesn't mean that only racists are supposed to understand it. It just basically means that they're speaking in code. So yeah, that's that. Um, so 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 yeah. If you're inclined to to cap on, put a cap on all this. If you're inclined to criticize the Israeli government and their atrocious acts and crimes against humanity, then fucking do so. But if you're going to do it, don't be an anti-Semitic douche about it. Secondly, if you're gonna call out someone for understanding what a dog whistle is and say that they're racist because they understood that someone else is being racist, then just, just shut up. Just don't even, don't even. All right? It's a stupid argument. And don't start talking to me about, like, the whole, what, uh, what about the tolerant left? No, 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 no. Tolerating is a weird word when you think about it. Tolerate, I could tolerate a poison, but does that mean it's supposed to be in my body? No. It just means I have equipped my body to deal with it or I've done it and I have to work it through blah 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 so yeah so much for the tolerant left no we're not going to be tolerant of bigotry and hatred that's just stupid so that's a stupid fucking argument all right let's stay out of stupidity so let's do that and uh you know if we act out of love and we act out of compassion then we will very 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 much be doing a better a better job at humanity so that's that let's move on to better and brighter subjects here we go well here we go the poetry corner section of the corner uh as promised i'm going to read a couple of my poems from my book entitled analog poems the it's a book you can find on amazon uh Researching other places to put it. Um, it's also in some local stores, at least local to me. Um, so if you are local to me, I'll, I'll let you know where they are. Um, so so just, just hit me up. All right. So in the idea of like the whole loss of living, you know, like, of living people, I'm going to talk to you about like where that idea came from a little bit and uh, before I get into this poem. Uh, but I I sometimes think that 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 loss of living comes from just how people act, and it doesn't have to do with uh, any sort of abuse of drugs or addiction to said to substances or anything like that. Um, sometimes it's just how things are worded, you know, and like that's 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 what this poem comes from. So um, it's a it's a it's one that like it's an interesting poem in that like I got in some like quote unquote trouble for this. When I put it up online a while back, um, before the book was published, fellow writers really were like, "How dare you say words are in or in fact fallible?" And I'm like, "Well, I really wasn't saying that. I was saying that sometimes words are just not really where it's at when it comes to <laughs> delivering a message. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's all about what you do, um, not so much what you say." And uh, and I think you'll see and hear that. So here we go. This one uh, this one is called Word Fair. Written by yours truly. Isn't it funny that what is said and what is meant could not be further apart from the other? 
that sometimes intent changes all meaning. Even if that's unbeknownst to who it's said to, or even who said it. It's almost like we all speak in some code. A code in which words change meaning depending on who says them, or who hears them. Or some live and hyperactive combination of the two. Words, long and short, either easy or difficult to pronounce words. We all depend on them. We all have been known to hang on them, leaving some of us prone to hang by them. That knot can be tight, uh, too tight, and tighter for different definitions. Proof, loyalty that can be seen as bullet holes from taking shots for others, but showing that that just doesn't always mean it's money in the bank. Savings protecting us from the blade-shaped scars between the shoulders. There's words and word misuse and abuse, too. Love is a common victim to this. People carelessly using that word as if it's, it's synonymous with enjoy or like. Though I know those who use it carefully and truthfully, and I love them for that. We're telling someone in a way that can only be heard as true and honest, but heartbreakingly isn't. Love from the wrong mouth to the right heart, or is it right mouth to the wrong heart? Either way, damaging. <coughs> Falling in love. Said that way because even with a perfect air current under the wings, it hurts like hell to land wrong. Words. Beautiful. Ugly. Tepid, aggressive, kind, hurtful, pleasurable, painful, caring, callow, singular meaning, multiple meanings, to the who really knows the meaning. Words, leaving every one of us in one of two states, in the know or in the confusion, all determined by intent, <coughs> by intent by tone, the choices of the users, and why else would soon mean wait longer still, sometime mean probably never, and someone mean no one. And when someone speaks of other fish and the great big sea still looks so empty. We've all heard these words before. We've all said these words before. We all know these words by heart. So, you really don't have to take my word for it, do you? Word fair. Written by me. All right, here comes poem number two. This one, again, like, like I said, written by me, your friend, Matt. Waking up. I woke up this morning feeling mortal again, knowing that someday my heartbeat will stop, that my days here will end with the quick and lightning flash. It's not always that life is too short, Though to many, it really is. It's that life is fast. As all my food fly, all this floods my thoughts and grabs my heart and wets my eyes. I woke up this morning feeling mortal again. Reminders came to, to make sure I felt it. The weight of those that came into my life and left marks and those that left before me. All at once, I remember that the, the ones that aren't here anymore. At the same time, I wonder about my own departure. Echoes of the good die young, coupled with others tagging me as a good, die, good guy. 
Am I on borrowed time? And if so, when do I pay that loan back? But I always think of who I've met, everyone not here, but definitely, definitely everyone still here. I think of it like I don't have friends. Instead, I have family. Believe that if I call you a friend, that is meant for a lifetime and more. It's up to us to keep it, to make it, to keep it strong, to get it to grow, or if paths differ, learn. I woke up this morning feeling mortal again, though not in that way that makes me afraid to die. Instead, in a way that makes me feel this. When I reach my end, whenever that is, I can look back and firmly and sincerely and lovingly say that I was not ever afraid to live and to love. And that right there is dedicated to every one of you, my friends, slash that, my family. So yeah, that was I was waking up by me, yours truly, Matt, a.k.a. M. The God Woodrow. All right. And I told you that I was ending on a positive, and that is a positive poem as far as I'm concerned. I wrote it. You can argue with me if you want. That is a positive poem. <coughs> so, yes, I'm going to end, keep ending on a positive note. <coughs> I'm going to give you a, three, a, a trio of three couples, if you will, because I love talking about music. You know this. Uh, my two wheel, big wheelhouses of music, uh, I, will, I kind of think they all are, really, but the, the, the two that I really fall back on and listen to a lot of are hip-hop and jazz. Uh, so, so in that vein, I've got three pairs of albums that I think that are often overlooked and or forgotten. Um, and if you know that I have a, a YouTube channel, I'm going to borrow one of those albums from from my my YouTube channel, um, and there's a, a, a segment that I try to keep going on there, but I'm going to try to resurrect on this show here called Beneath the Surface. Um, it's where I talk about things that are not talked about a lot, um, either underground stuff um, or stuff from some some big names that is often overlooked. Um, so so yeah, you'll so I borrowed one of those albums from one of those little episodes. And I'm going to start there. So so there's a duo, um, a producer-rapper duo. Um, rapper is STS. I'm, still, I'm trying to get him on the show. I have to keep reaching out to him. I don't know how to find him. I, but I talked to him briefly, and he's interested. So if you know anybody who knows how to get a hold of STS, let me know. But that duo is STS and RJD2. RJD2 is a, uh, is a, is a phenomenal producer. Makes some really great music. Um, a lot of his instrumentals are so dynamic that you don't even really care that there's no one rapping over them. But in this case, STS is rapping over a, uh, a hefty amount of beats uh, by RJD2. And uh, Escape from Auburn is the second album. Um, I'm going to start there uh, since I just mentioned it. Uh, it's, just, it's just full of bangers. Listen to the album. It's just a fun, fun album. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I was thinking I wanted to, to give you some tracks to listen to, but it really, from top to bottom, great, great, great album. <coughs> really fun to listen to. And their first album is self-titled. It's basically STS and RJD2. They do that album, and then like I know that they they kick it off with a with with a if I'm remembering right anyway they kick it off with a song called Doing It Right and they, the whole thing is just perfect 
just bumping music. You can bump it in the car and have a good time with it. You can bump it at a party and have a good time with it. It's just really fantastic fucking music. It's just so fun, so dynamic, so good. RJD2's beats are complemented seriously well on both of those albums by just like a, a really ridiculously great flow from SDS. Um, I feel like SDS might be one of those most slept on or slept on uh, MCs out there. Like he's just so good, so good. So yes, SDS, RJD2, they did a pair of albums thus far in their in their partnership. Uh, listen to them. The first one, self-titled SDS, RJD2. First one is Escape from Auburn. They're both fantastic albums. Listen to them as soon as you can. Like when you get off this episode, listening to this episode, listen to them. Actually, listen to all of these albums that I'm going to talk about in a row. Because the second pair of albums is two albums by my absolute favorite musician of all time, John Coltrane. Um, we can talk every day, all day about um, Love Supreme or Giant Steps, Blue Train. Um, yeah, we could talk every day, all day about those those albums. Uh, and rightfully so. They're amazing, amazing albums. They are classics. They are, they've earned that title of classic, no doubt in my mind and heart that they are classic albums. But the two albums I want to tell you about, two albums I want to put you on, um, are John Coltrane Plays the Blues, uh, where he does a bunch of blues numbers with his, uh, with his I think, they were the, yeah, with, with, with most of his well-known quartet. Uh, that would that be him, Jimmy Garrison, Elvin Jones, and McCoy Tyner. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, John Coltrane Plays the Blues, it's still on his his Atlantic Atlantic years. So when he was on the Atlantic record label, uh, so good though, like such a good like smoky blues, soulfully blues album. Give that a listen. And then like like I said with the SDS RJD two albums, um, the whole album is a standout. Uh, just 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 listen to it top to bottom. You won't be disappointed. Um, yeah. So the second John Coltrane album is 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 called Ballads. That is definitely with his 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 quartet, the, the John Coltrane yeah, John Coltrane Quartet. So that would be him, Jimmy Garrison, Elvin Jones, and McCoy Tyner. Um, so yeah, Elvin Jones and Jimmy Garrison pull that rhythm section together perfectly. McCoy Tyner on keys, um, and obviously Mr. Coltrane on on saxophone, tenor saxophone most of that time, and then it's just a fantastic album. And what they did there, uh, in a nutshell, is took a bunch of standard ballads and made them their own, because uh, it's, it's barely arguable, because I don't, think you, it, I don't think that many people can argue it or argue against it, that, but nobody took other people's songs like John Coltrane did and made, him, made them so much his own. And that's what that's what he did there. That's what that's what happened on the ballads album. Again, from top to bottom, just a gorgeous album. Give it a listen. So so good. And just a reminder, where I'll give you the, the I'll give you a reminder of all these albums in the in the episode description. Don't worry about remembering them by just by listening. Go just click on that episode description. You'll see the albums I'm talking about. So yeah, John Coltrane. Ballads and Coltrane plays the blues. So, and then onwards back to to hip hop. And I'm not sure how often these days, anyway, 
uh, this duo gets talked about, but they should be talked about more because it was that that they changed the scape of how rap was delivered, how production was done, and that is P Rock and CL Smooth. Uh, there is there are two albums, Mecca and the Soul Brother, and then there's also uh, the Main Ingredient. Um, I couldn't. The reason why I did these all these pairings is I couldn't decide which one I wanted to talk about with each of these these artists. So. I'm giving you the pairings, and in this case, full-length albums-wise, the only full-length albums that P-Rock and CL Smooth did were the two that I just talked about, Mecca and the Soul Brother being the number one album that they did, and then the main ingredient, which I think is just as good as Mecca and the Soul Brother. Um, uh, they, Like I said, there's no singular songs that, that, that knock harder, in my mind. Uh, perfect sampling, perfect rapping, just really really good of course the first album they did um being uh, um mecca and the soul brother has uh they reminisce over you um so troy for trouble trouble t-roy um so that that's an absolute classic song um just and it's just a master class in rapping and 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 production just like the rest of those albums are uh but but that's the number one single off of both of those albums. And then there's, uh, yeah, just a top to bottom again, really good albums. I mean, there's some stuff that, uh, to warn you, uh, there's some stuff that is definitely dated in the language they use, meaning that there's some uh, some some toxic masculinity coming out of the mouth of uh, Pete Rock, I believe, on one of those tracks, using the F slur. <coughs> uh, and, yeah, <coughs> excuse me again. Man, I'm too far into the segment to, to re-record. So, sorry about the cover. So yeah, B-Rock, Seal Smooth. Check out those albums, Masterclass and, and Smooth Rap Delivery and Production. And that'll carry us through the, this episode. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for thanks for listening to this. Um, as, as I've always said, hit me up online or through the album description or the album description, episode description. Um, yeah, you'll see that you could leave a voice message for me. You can you can uh, send a, a an answer to the question that's in the, every episode where it says, "What did you think of this episode?" Um, you can email me at mjw511 at yahoo dot com. Go ahead and do that. You can hit me up on Facebook at Matthew Wood Poet. You can you can hit me up on the Twitter. I refuse to call it the other name because Elon Musk's stupid. But hit me up on Twitter um, at Glide W15, and Glide is spelled with a with a Y, not an I. So at Glide W15, and I'm also on Mastodon with the same name at Glide W15 at Mastodon Social. Um, if you want to hit me up on the Instagram, it's the re- uh, the real Matt Tastic five one one. It's a private account, so I'll have to do some you know, do a lot of screening because sometimes I put up pictures of my kids <coughs> so yeah there's that <coughs> hit me up tell me how i'm doing tell me what you think tell me who you'd like to see on the corner um, or if you're somebody who would like to be on the corner let me know we can talk um, so yeah hit me up thanks for listening to my ramblings and like i said again hit me up on all those places with your answer to what the common thread is to all the titles of my solo episodes. All right. 
Um, oh, quick announcement. This this is a solo episode, but um, approximately a week after you hear this or a week after this drops, you will hear again another awesome Dope as Hell guest. Um, that's all I'll say. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Dorchester connection. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much. All right. So there's that. All right. So until then, um, I will let you know when that drops to you. So peace and thanks for listening.